Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I will talk about some lessons that I learned in 2021. I usually don't do these end-of-year reflections, but honestly, I got to fill some time. I put out two shows per week, so I may as well talk about something. And last year, I actually did one of these episodes. I am making light of it. This is a good exercise, but in the past, I typically wasn't doing like year-end exercises and reviews. I kind of look at things more on a quarterly-ish basis and not in a strict format. And I'll kind of get into a couple of those details. But last year, in 2020, I did an end-of-year recap and a couple of things that I've learned and enjoyed and stuff like that. And it was a nice little exercise. Well, I had to go back and listen to that and, and remember what I even talked about. And I'll do a little recap of that. So I think last year I mentioned that I don't really set goals or I tried to kind of relax on the goal setting and I enjoyed writing. I wanted to get back to writing a little bit more, perhaps at the end of the year in 2020, I was journaling more or something like that. Or maybe I wrote a couple blog posts and enjoyed it, but I wanted to get back to it a little bit more and I kind of missed it. So I I think there maybe were a couple other details in there, but overall, those were the couple of the main ideas, which now that I look at it, I must have had some other things in there too. But that's a good starting point because I didn't go back and think of the recap or use the end of year review or lessons learned in 2020 to like shape what I was doing in 2021. So I imagine it will kind of be the same thing here and just thinking about the uh, mention of enjoying writing and I missed writing and stuff like that. A lot of it is recency bias and I know that because just looking back at some of the other things that I've written or created or things that I was into at a certain period of time, it was really all about what I was doing at that point in time. So couple couple little things here uh, in in 2021 I didn't take as much time off especially like long periods of time 2018 to 2020 I took about three months off during those three years and for for each of the years so I was taking a pretty good chunk of time off and I really enjoyed it usually those chunks of time were, probably like three to six weeks and a month was probably the average overall. Some of them were because of a move. I moved, uh, my wife and I and her dog moved down to Colorado from Montana. So that took some time. We also moved to a new home in Colorado. So we moved out of our apartment and each one of those things takes a lot of time, pulls you off your normal tasks. And it's just a little bit less stress if you could actually take a lot of time off. I also took some vacations during those periods and just was, you know, spending time with family, stuff like that. So that was a very typical thing for me to do. And like I said, I would take like a month off and it would be a hundred percent vacation. I would still check my email uh, at least once a week, sometimes more. I would still record these podcasts to make sure that I you know, got my, my things done that I needed to. Oftentimes, I, I would work 
very far ahead and just have like a big chunk of time where I had very few obligations and I, I really enjoyed it. So in 2021, I didn't do as much and I realized that I do miss that. So I am trying to integrate it more and I'm already thinking about some of that for honestly, as soon as possible. So by the time this episode airs, I probably will be taking more time off and I'm already planning on taking large chunks of time off in 2022 because like I said, I realized that I missed it and I do enjoy it quite a bit. One other thing is uh, I enjoy quitting or pausing projects. And I think quitting can get a little bit of a, a bad name because it seems lazy, like you're quitting something because you can't do it or you don't think you can do it. But sometimes, and, and in my case here, I'll give you a couple of examples, I stop things that I can come back to in the future and I stop things that basically were little things that I was excited about, but it, it's not super important for me to keep pushing and like prove a point for some reason. And I don't encourage people to quit everything that they start, but if you want to work on something hard and say yes to a specific project, you will have to say no to many other things. It's just the the concept of like opportunity cost and limited um, a limited amount of time. Like you can't do everything all the time. And that is, I mean, there's only a limited amount of time in everyone's day. So sometimes you will have to make a sacrifice in certain areas and maybe you can burn the candle at both ends occasionally, but at some point you may have to say no to some items and I am labeling that as quitting. So one thing that I was a little bit excited about last uh, or earlier this year, I can't remember exactly when, but it was contest. And one thing that I, I saw was, uh, I think it was Noah Kagan's product, I think it was the Sumo, King Sumo. I can't remember, but anyway, he had some nice marketing material about the product. was talking about doing contests and I got a little excited. Maybe I saw a couple other people do contests and I bought that product. So I, I fell into the trap as many of us do, especially around that Black Friday holiday, which by the time this comes out, will have passed. But I know... The marketing material is so compelling. You see these case studies where it it seems like it's just going to work and it can't fucking fail, but everything takes work and everything has a little nuance. And I tried to do one contest and it really didn't work. It was a fucking flop completely. And I should probably go back and look at it. And I remember earlier in the year, I was saying, hey, I know this will take work and I'm going to have to figure out how to run a contest in an effective way so I could reach my goals. I didn't iterate on it. I didn't try it again. I found other things to do. And I, I quit trying with a contest. Luckily, the software is relatively inexpensive. I don't think it paid for itself. Not even close. I mean, it waste, I wasted time working on it. And I hardly got any new YouTube subscribers or email subscribers. It was a complete flop. It's not the software's fault at all. Although I I kind of phrased it that way. I just got tricked by that sexy marketing, you know, but the the whole point is if, if one wants to do 
a good job with contests, they're going to have to run several contests and test things and figure out how to do it. And I wasn't willing to put in the time or the effort and I decided not to do it. And I'm much happier. I've moved on. (laughs) I've moved on and I am fine with it. Will I come back to it someday? Maybe. I definitely have that option. But it just doesn't seem that enticing to me right now. And I can think of like 20 other things that I would rather do, like take a nap or grab a beer. So many things. Another thing that I quit, and this this one's actually, again, something I could come back to, is uh, the YouTube channel, right? So I like YouTube. I like podcasting a lot. And I was watching at the beginning of the year, last year, I was watching a lot of sort of challenge videos. So someone would try to do something for a week or 30 days or a month, which is still 30 days. So any interval of time, but people are trying to do something and they would do an excellent job storytelling. They would talk about some of the the technical aspects, but they would talk about the reasoning behind why they're doing it and some of the science behind the concepts and why it might work or why it maybe won't work. And then they would document the whole thing. And even if it didn't work out, even if it was a flop, it was still an entertaining video and somewhat educational. And you you learned something from it. So I really enjoy watching those videos. And I thought... I might be a person that could create such videos that were so compelling and maybe help people out. Last January, my wife and I did uh, dry January, so we didn't drink any alcohol. So we, we documented that. We did a good job. We made it all the way through January. I even did some weekly update videos, which I published on the channel, and then wrote a script. I, I actually shot B-roll and did some out out on the town kind of video stuff. So it was a little vloggy, hopefully more entertaining. I had a whole script. I never even shot the main video and narrative. I never sent it over to my editor to put it together. And I decided I wasn't going to publish it in the short term. And it is December and I have not done anything else with it. And I decided there's some other stuff that I can work on. It felt a little bad. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's a, it was a channel started to showcase challenges and following through. (laughs) And the irony is just, it's wonderful. But I decided, you know what? Fuck. uh, I don't, I don't know if I have the drive right now in my life to actually shoot the video that's required to do such a channel. There's a huge market for it. And the thing is, I I saw several channels over the past couple years really grow from a very small and just, you know, some a basically a beginner and they would turn it into a huge channel through um, just dedicated work. And I realized that trying to shoot sort of vlog type material and really documenting things in a proper way really takes me out of the moment in general and distracts me. And it's not very fun to shoot that kind of video. I I like, uh, you know, 
maybe taking some pictures here and there, but you know, shooting a video all the time and like having to redo things, especially if you're out with friends or family or something like that, it really kills like anything that you're trying to do. If you're like, oh, hold on a second, I need to set down this camera and uh, the tripod and, and video this a couple times to make sure we have a good take. I'm just not a documentarian uh, in, in that capacity. And I really do enjoy sort of the moment. And quick side note, I was with uh, a, a friend in a conference or at a conference recently. And I was like, oh, I can't believe we never took one picture together this whole entire weekend. I had none. Uh, the other person didn't have any. And it really, it was just because we were having a, a fun time. We we're in the moment. We never thought, hey, we better take a picture of this to remember. We just uh, were doing our stuff and hanging out, having a nice time, which was great. I do kind of wish there was like at least one picture, but uh, it's fine because I was in the moment and everyone was having a nice time. So the overall thought here, you know, I'll, I'll give you permission as well. It's okay to quit things. It will allow you to focus more on the things that you are actually deeming as important. So you can quit some things. If there's a project that you're like not into, qu quit it. It doesn't have to be permanent. You can always go back to it. There's very few projects where you, you can't come back to it. Of course, there's some things where the timing is important. Maybe there's some specific momentum, external forces. I understand those things are a factor, but you can quit things and the things that you don't quit will usually benefit if you do quit something. Moving on to uh, the next item here. Starting new projects is uh, fun and it's okay. And a couple things that I mentioned already that I quit, those were new things that I started and realized, you know what? <laughs> I don't know if I'm into it. So I'm going to go ahead and quit now. One thing that I did start was a new podcast. And you've heard me talk about it several times, this Mile High Fi, but that was something that I was able to work with someone on, which is kind of fun. And I've been able to, you know, become a better friend with my co-host Carl Jensen, which is pretty cool. And we've gone on a bunch of adventures together um, and, and traveled around, which is fun. So that was a really fun thing. And I've met even more people. And when I look at, for example, the YouTube challenge channel that I was thinking that it was going to be a great thing for me to work on, I probably wouldn't have met very many new people especially not in person. But the podcast, I've met dozens, uh, literally dozens of people, many of them in person through conferences that I've gone to with Carl. And that sort of relationship, I mean, you can make friends online and everything, but hanging out in person and maybe going on a hike or you know just drinking at a bar, or happy hours or whatever, like those are, those are hard to replicate online. So looking at what I've gotten out of the podcast, the new podcast that I basically had to, you know, cut off some of the other projects that I was working on to allow space for Mile High Fi, Mile High Fi has turned out to be even better than I would have expected. So the other 
side of that coin is it is fun to start new things. And I have resisted um, for a long time because I know that the more that we work on one project and, and refine that one thing and iterate on the things we're already skilled at, like the better you get at it and the easier it is to do. But it is fun to start new things. And, you know, this year, I guess I let myself try a couple things that I was holding back on or just, you know, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a go. All right. So starting new things is fun, but don't go crazy. It's okay to quit those new things if you figure out that it's something you don't want to spend as much time on or it's different than you thought it was going to be. The other unrelated thing is uh, I've been sleeping more. And that is awesome. I think I am less stressed. <laughs> I am calmer just in general. Not that I was like all um, not calm and excitable or anything, but I'm calmer. I'm less stressed out. And one of the big things is I'm pretty sure I'm much smarter now. Uh, I haven't read the studies recently, but I want to say if you are sleep deprived, your IQ through tests, which those are arguable, of course, but basically you're not as smart if you're sleep deprived. And I want to say it's like 10 or 15 IQ points through logic tests and stuff like that. And I encourage you to think about times where you were sleep deprived and you were trying to do something that should take you just a few minutes. Things take you longer it's a little harder to logic your way through a problem. And if you get more sleep, well, you just feel better. In fact, I have been integrating naps into my week a little more often. So not recently, I've actually not been sleeping as well in the last couple of weeks here. And I haven't been trying to take proper naps, but if I can get maybe one to three nap sessions per week, that would be great. You know, one or two is fantastic. And typically I try to take a nap or lay down for a few minutes before 2 p.m. If it's too late in the day, it can interfere with your sleep a little bit. And usually about 45 minutes to an hour or so, um, sometimes as short as like 30 minutes. But even if you don't fall asleep, because some people have trouble falling asleep, especially in the middle of the day if they're not used to it. Even if you don't actually fall asleep, you're still hopefully laying in a quiet room in the dark. And that is fairly relaxing. You're turning off your inputs. You know, something else you may do during the day at that time would be like flipping through social media on your phone, which, I mean, I'm no stranger to that. I'll, I like to waste time on my phone too. But that is not a thing that sort of relaxes you or gives you more energy after you get done. But laying down in a quiet room, even if you don't fall asleep, usually feel a little bit better afterwards. Before we go to the next one, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Thanks to Ezoic for sponsoring this episode, especially their new product, Leap. Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. It was built for publishers, and in fact, it's free 
to people that monetize with Ezoic. And it allows visitors to load pages instantly using Ezoic Cloud to serve new core web vital friendly ads using lightning fast server side Ezoic Edge technology. And basically, Ezoic helps your site load faster and get those green core web vitals. And you can also simplify speeding up your site and cut the cost. So you can optimize everything from code to content using the features designed to eliminate the need for costly third-party technology and plugins. And basically what happens, and this happened to me, you try to add more and more plugins to optimize, to maybe minimize your CSS or minimize your JavaScript or something like that. And you end up with several different plugins and technologies, but basically you can just use Leap. And generally, and this is the stats that Ezo excites, the average site is able to remove 3.5 optimization features, technologies, or plugins, saving them $250 per year when they're using Leap for free. So thanks a lot to Ezoic and be sure to check out Leap. Somewhat related to sleep is uh, the fact that I cut down on caffeine a bit. So I knew that I was probably drinking too much caffeine and I have been you know, over the years, I've had periods where I'm, I've just had so much coffee like all through the day. And I would think, ah, it doesn't really affect me too much. But I started, I can't remember exactly if there was one precipitating event, but I did realize like, hey, maybe I should cut back on caffeine a bit. So I changed the coffee to uh, 50% decaf and 50% regular coffee. So effectively cutting my my caffeine intake in half. And then I made a little bit less coffee each day. So that has been helpful. I think it has actually helped my sleep. And it wasn't like I couldn't fall asleep. I would fall asleep really quickly, like within minutes of laying down. But it would be in the middle of the night, I would wake up at like three, and I'd be a little anxious. I'd start worrying about the day coming up, and it just would kind of wear on me, and I couldn't fall asleep, and uh, I would just be tired. So cutting back on the caffeine was really helpful. I also make sure that I'm pretty much done drinking any caffeine by like noon or 12.30, something like that. And I read a, actually it was an audio book. It was an Audible original by Michael Pollan. It was just called Caffeine, I believe. But he went off caffeine for something like a month. It could have been three months. I can't remember. It was a a large chunk of time. And he said it was absolutely like life-changing. And the way he slept was ridiculous. Like he said it was like sleeping the sleep of a teenager. Like he has not slept that well since he was a teenager. No, I didn't go crazy and go off of caffeine for that long, but I've gone, you know, weak here or there. And the point is, I think I am sleeping better. I do love caffeine though. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it helps you get shit done. It helps you focus. It does um, apparently, and this is one thing uh, Poland said in his book, like you can work your way through a to-do list pretty quickly. It's, it helps you work very well through 
linear thinking, things you just have to like get done. And it doesn't really help you out very much if you're trying to do certain types of creative work where maybe you have to like draw connections from unrelated things. Let's say I was writing an article and I was trying to you know pull together ideas from multiple books. I may not be able to do a very good job with that on caffeine. But if I'm just hammering through a list of things, maybe caffeine is the perfect thing to use. So do with that what you will. Uh, I know some some of my friends, they've been off caffeine for a while or they only drink green tea or they, they just don't drink coffee. But well, I like all those beverages and I, I enjoy caffeine as well. Okay, next I enjoy being less busy and I have lightly alluded to this occasionally, but I I generally try to have a fairly clear schedule most of the time. I have some obligations. I'm recording a podcast with my friend Carl occasionally, so I obviously have to schedule things and I have some regular blocks of time set aside to do those kind of things so I could kind of count on those most of the time. It's very easy to schedule them, but in general, I am actually not that busy and I feel, you know, feel good about that because it takes work. It takes work to do that. A lot of people, when they chat with me, they send an email. It's usually something like, you must be so busy. I know your time's so valuable. My time is very valuable, by the way, but I am usually not that busy is because I work very hard to not be busy and have open space so that I can just do what I need to do that day. I generally have some idea, but the overall idea is I enjoy having the slack to do things on short notice. And I am probably in the middle of some people will freak out if they don't have everything scheduled and have their say vacation laid out. Like they really need the structure to feel grounded and such. I like some flexibility. I like some openness in the schedule. I'd love to have a couple anchor points on vacations, for example, but it's great to have like one or two days on a vacation where there's nothing planned. You will find something there. Someone will tell you something interesting when you're on vacation. I know I'm giving a specific example on vacation, but this happens in other areas of your life as well. So just thinking, you know, work-wise, if I have my schedule full all the time, if my friend who has a podcast calls me and says, uh, hey, do you want to join me on a live podcast and and we're going to do it on YouTube and everything? If I have a fully stacked schedule, I don't have the opportunity to take advantage of that So I know it's not possible for everyone, but for me, that's one, I I love having just a less busy schedule where I can go for a walk. Like uh, as soon as I finish recording this, I'm going to go for a long walk before it gets dark outside. It's going to be nice. There's a little snow in the mountains right now. It's not too cold. I think it's, I mean, I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, it's like 60, 63 degrees, a little bit sunny. It's going to be nice out there. Get some vitamin D. Okay, the next next thing that I noted was how important persistence is, persevering through challenges and just 
keep on going. So this is a sharp contrast with my previous point on quitting. (laughs) But I started blogging in 2013 and I didn't know shit about shit. I don't even know why I thought I could start a blog (laughs) and I didn't think I'd keep doing it. I, yeah, it all just seems really preposterous to me right now, but I did start a blog in 2013, Niche Site Project, and I have blogged there for a long time now. To be fair, I haven't written anything in a while, but I do um, have a steady stream of content. Uh, I feel like this podcast and the YouTube channel is a bit of an extension of the blog. So while I haven't written, I feel like I've continued on in these different formats and on these different platforms. But overall, it is interesting because there's a lot of people that I started kind of alongside with, or maybe they were a few months or even a couple years ahead of me in their blogging, and they never really followed through. They never consistently showed up, tried to get better, and produce content for the long term. And this applies if you have your own site. I mean, you don't have to try to be an internet marketer like myself, but if you have your own site or you have your own piece of content that you're creating, usually if you just keep going and you're trying to get better, you will get better. And, you know, if you're if your goals are aligned with the kind of content you're producing and you're actually moving in the right direction and not just throwing, you know, just aiming in the dark and not really having an idea what you're doing, as long as you're making some forward progress, you're probably going to be all right. You're probably going to be successful. And I get this question often. Usually it's, what are the characteristics of your students or people that you work with that, uh, sort of lead to success? Is is there anything in common that most of the people that are successful have? And usually it's persistence, sticking with it and trying to iterate and get better over time. It's, uh, It's a little crazy. And sometimes people are thinking, oh, podcasting is too full. YouTube's too saturated. Blogs, it's overdone. Like any one of those medium. So, and, you know, fill in the blank, any social media, even if they're very mature platforms that are actually saturated, there's always people that pop up that are brand new and you can do it too. It may not be overnight. The people that pop up may have been working on it for five years that we didn't see ahead of time, but the perseverance definitely pays off. And I see a few of my peers that that stuck with it as well. And, you know, some of them were much bigger than me when I started. Some were much smaller and went way further ahead. But it's just amazing that people kept on with whatever it was that they're working on. Well, and I will throw in, sometimes people lose interest and they don't want to work on the thing anymore. And the sort of small analogies. I remember the first homebrew club that I was a part of back in Atlanta. Shout out to uh, Final Gravity. If anyone happens to listen and they're in the club, 
they, um, I was talking with the president about a specific member. I don't even remember who it was, but I was talking to the president about this guy who used to show up for everything, brewed a lot of beer with him, good dude. And I was like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't come to the meetings anymore. Like what, what's going on? And the president at the time said, oh yeah, this, that just kind of happens. Sometimes people get burned out, even if they were 100% into home brewing and the hobby and they were judging competitions, things may change. People do get burned out and they may want to do something different. So sometimes, you know, I think back to some of the, the folks that started alongside me or something like that in blogging, they may have just lost interest in this specific area and decided they didn't want to do it anymore, which is totally fine. And I, I'm pretty sure I ran across some very big bloggers when I first started in 2013 that potentially earned as much money as they needed to. And they decided, I don't want to do this anymore. And they just have their own their own life that's a little more private and they don't blog and they don't have any sort of platform anymore. And maybe they're just spending time with their family, which I 100% can respect that. I mean, people do things for different reasons. They start or stop them. But if you're thinking about success, the uh, main thing is persistence. Just keep on going. Keep trying to get better. We're coming up on the final two here. So some of these have a common theme now that I'm looking at the list that I wrote here over the course of a couple of days. See, I noted that I'm a little more chill, which I think a lot of people would have described me as fairly calm and chill before, but I think maybe I'm even more calm. And now that is not the THC talking. I am, uh, I'm totally sober. So I'll give you a couple of examples here. So back in October, I relaunched my course, Multi-Profit Site. By the way, if you're interested in enrolling in the course, it will open for enrollment in early January. So keep an eye out for that. So I launched my course, Multi-Profit Site. I'm on a platform called Kajabi. It's pretty good. It's not perfect. It's a very good course platform. And they have kind of a full suite of marketing products. And it's not the best in any one of those categories, but it's pretty good in all of them. And I launched the course on a Monday and I started getting emails from people that said that they couldn't get to the site because it was down. They hopped over and fuck me. Kajabi was down, <laughs> was down. They had uh, their status listed as some you know catastrophic issue that they were working on and some large percentage of the servers were fucked up in some capacity. And I thought, oh shoot, well, that's too bad. I'll check back in a little while. So anyone that emailed me, of course I wrote back and I said, well, it looks like Kajabi's down. I'm really sorry. I hope it'll be up soon. And I will let you know when I see that it's back up. If that would have happened years ago, I would have been so upset. I would have been trying to figure out what to do. And if I could like switch to another platform and just generally stressing out. But I I was 
literally calm and just thought, ah, well, that's some shit, huh? And then just kept going along with my day. And well, it turns out within a couple hours, actually, it wasn't even a couple hours. I think it was like within an hour, everything was back up. People could enroll as normal. And uh, in the past, I would have been losing my mind. I would have been complaining and stressed out. And I guess over time, I've learned that doing that is not going to help. And there's basically nothing I could do. If the server's down, I can't do anything. All I could do is sort of focus on the customer service aspect and let the potential students know that there was some issue and that you know, I, I would let them know. So that that was one one example. And the other is, you know, something that I could have controlled a little bit better, or at least um, been a little bit more engaged. So on uh, one of one of my podcasts, I have an assistant, and they accidentally scheduled an episode to go out early, like one day early. And they also sent out the email for that episode one day early. And just before that, they also sent out an email with an incorrect link. So there were these multiple failure points that happened all basically in the course of a week or so. And in the past, I would have been very extremely frustrated (laughs) with all those situations, but it was not that big of a deal. And I think as I'm getting older, the wise old age of 42, I do realize that most of the things don't matter. Like most, most, most of the little mistakes don't matter at all. It's probably going to be fine. People are probably not going to notice. Sure, we we don't want to be uh, sort of completely incompetent or anything like that, and be inconsistent. I always publish, you know, this show Monday, Tuesday. This is uh, is it the third year I'm coming up to? Is that right? So the the thing is, like, I, I am consistent. I do show up and all that. But if if it publishes a day early, there's a mistake in an email, mistakes happen, and it's usually not a big deal, and I'm not going to sweat it too much. So much more chill, much more chill, I would say. All right, last one is I do enjoy in-person events quite a bit. I alluded to this in multiple episodes in the past. I think I had a whole episode on it. I've gone to a couple other events since then, and it's great. I am not extremely extroverted. Probably, I'm more introverted just in general. I can, I'm still not going to talk as much as other people probably, but if I'm like in a in a setting of people, I don't like go stand in the corner and uh, like fetal position. I don't freak out. Basically, I can go chat with people, hopefully not in an awkward way. I, I do. <laughs> that is one thing I observed a couple times out there in these events is sometimes people are awkward, especially around the, um, I'm using air quotes here, like celebrity bloggers or YouTubers or something like that. Sometimes people are a little nervous and yeah, it comes off weird occasionally. But most people are great. Like 99% of the people are really good and have a strong feeling like the awkward people are awkward anyway, not because they're meeting a celebrity. They're just awkward people. And if if you're a 
awkward person. I'm not talking about you, it's everyone else. <laughs> so just to be clear, but those in-person events have been a blast. I mentioned just being able to meet people and bond with them in a much better way, of a sort of a stronger way, especially walking around. Uh, I was just in Cincinnati not too long ago, just walking around town, going from here to there, having some sort of little pastime. Sometimes it's uh, around here, maybe it's going on a hike, but yeah, that sort of in-person bonding is is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to going to more events coming up uh, in the future. And I think, you know, one thing I'll mention is the size of the event really matters. So one of them that I went to is called Camp Fi, and that was in Colorado Springs, although they have locations all over the country. That was about 60 people or so. And that's great because you can really talk to a lot of people percentage-wise. Um, and usually it's not so overwhelming to be around a group of you know 50 or 60 people. There's a lot of small groups and stuff that break out for meals and having coffee or walking around or whatever. The other one that I went to was Economy, and that was about 400 people, so considerably bigger. And you probably won't be able to talk to every single person unless you sort of make it your mission. And then FinCon was much larger. I don't know how big. I heard someone say about a thousand people, but that can be, you know, multiple thousands of people in the non-COVID years. But the point is the the larger the conference sort of uh, maybe the more overwhelming it could be a little bit, but you'll have to figure out what works for you. Some people would really enjoy the much bigger venues and the fact that there are so many people, some people will love that. But I think that was kind of, I mean, I don't think conferences get much bigger than several thousand people, but that was probably a, um, it was a good thing that it was smaller this year than it had been in the past. And a quick side note here, I know some people are choosing not to go to conferences or gatherings, or maybe you're in a place where you can't even gather in big groups or anything. So, you know, hopefully everyone will be able to do whatever they need or want to do in the future sometime soon. But, you know, for me, the the travel and, you know, getting out there, being around people wasn't too big of a deal. I wasn't too nervous. I you know, was fully vaccinated basically as soon as I could do that. And honestly, through the COVID quarantine timeframe, that was when my mom was going through cancer. So I was actually traveling a decent amount across the country. I was flying, I was out, and I generally never stopped traveling, even you know before vaccination or anything like that. So, and it was to see family and help family and take care of folks. So like I said, I know some people have not been able to go to gatherings that they want to do, or they wanted to go to a conference and weren't able to, or conferences were canceled, but I hope soon that things will open up and, you know, how, however you will feel safe. Um, I hope that'll work out for you. Shoot me an email if you want to share some of your lessons learned in 2021. And actually, I'll give a little 
plug a couple things here. I, I don't do it enough. If you are not on the email list, you can join over at nichesiteproject.com. Click that green button and enter your name and email address. I'll send you all my templates and systems and stuff like that. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, that is out there too. If you just go to YouTube and search for Doug Cunnington, you'll find my channel out there. If you really want to help me out, you could also have a listen to the other podcast. It's Mile High Fi, which, uh, you know, if you just Google any of this stuff, you'll, you'll find it. You may have to search a little bit. And finally, Mile High Fi it has a YouTube channel as well. And you can see uh, Carl and myself. And one thing Carl and I try to do as much as possible, it's not 100%, but we try to interview people in person. And that is kind of rare. You know, it's hard to interview people, uh, especially, you know, we're not located in some major hub or anything just in general, but we are in Longmont which uh, means there's a decent number of financial independence kind of folks who pass through town. So we are able to interview quite a few folks as they are visiting Carl or Mr. Money Mustache or some of the other folks around here. So you can see some of those in-person interviews on the Mile High Fi YouTube channel. And I really appreciate all the support. I hope you had a great year out there. We got a couple weeks left, of course, but I am starting to think a little bit about next year. And honestly, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, I really enjoyed not setting any goals and just kind of working through these systems that I have instead of setting a goal, which I will either fail to reach or achieve the goal. But if you do the systems, you can kind of show up each day, do what you got to do. And that works much better for my personality type. So have a great day out there. Catch you in the next episode.